Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. And an announcement that caught me by surprise since we were texting back and forth and he didn't mention it. And it was Michael who, because I'm texting back and forth with Chuck Todd. Oh, yes. And Michael says he's leaving Meet the Press. And I write him a note. I go, what? You well, buried fair, the lead? He was, he was focused on a big weekend series against two. <laughs> so <laughs> he's dwellers. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. And on that subject, from Nick Sharkey in Escanaba, Michigan. So how does this work? Uh, is Welker picking next season? Jake Tapper? Obviously not Ari Melber. I'll hang up and listen. From Tim in Frederick, Maryland. I just read an article about Chuck Todd leaving his position as host of Meet the Press. The article detailed his career highlights, but failed to mention that he picks NFL games against a monkey. What has journalism come to? And from Mark Maher of North Liberty, Iowa. Goosebumps to Chuck Todd's goodbye today on Meet the Press. Maybe now he can focus on what really matters in life, like taking down that damn monkey. No, it's interesting. Uh, For those of you who love Dan Byrne, we love Dan Byrne. Jeff Boubier in Moncton, Maryland says, longtime fan going back to the style section of the post, but who cares about me? I'm going to see Dan Byrne tomorrow. Yes, that tomorrow, June 7th. Here in bucolic Moncton, Maryland, and just received the below email from the venue, and a fabulous venue it is, the Manor Mill, offering $5 off tickets in a bid to more fully fill the house. I think they have 23 seats left. Use the code, people. I know it's late in the game, and it's a long shot, but if you could share this generous offer with Little somehow, I'm sure Dan would appreciate it, if not be sh- slightly chagrined. Thanks. So that's going to be tomorrow, right? Well, tonight, no. because Tonight? It's, yeah, it's June tonight? 7th. June 7th. Tonight. Okay. Yes. Okay, so, so it's tonight in yeah. Moncton, Maryland. And yeah. if there are tickets available, there's a code. Should I say the code? Dan Byrne 21111. There you go. Yeah, so use the code. Yeah, go see Dan. You'll love it. Use the code. All right. Let's get to the news of yesterday and the news of today. And it has to do with the merger, the apparent merger um, between the Saudi Golf Tour and the PGA Tour, a merger that... I always thought there'd be some sort of accommodation, but I didn't think there'd be this, and I didn't think it would be this soon. I'll tell you how I found out about it. I was actually playing golf yesterday. I was playing with Peter Hicks and Al Serafino. Um, Who else was I playing with? I forgot who else I was playing with. I forgot. It doesn't matter. Um, And I was going up 17, up a big hill, and coming, oh, Mike Monahan, I was playing with. Okay, and, and coming down 18 was Eric, who's, you know, the number one caddy at Columbia. And he looks at me and he says, you're going to have a lot of, to talk about on the show today. And I go, what? And he goes, the merger. And I go, what? And he goes, uh, the Live Tour just merged with the PGA. And then the people who are coming down 18 behind him, uh, Arthur Mason and Mike Quinn, and Bernie Wolf. Mike Quinn's reading on his phone, and he reads me a couple of paragraphs about this, and I I was totally stunned, absolutely and totally stunned that this could happen. And I said to Mike, well, how's it going to work? Which tournaments are going to have 54 holes? Which tournaments are going to have no cut? And he said, none of that is talked about. None of that is known at the moment. And as it turned out, as you get later and later in the day, nothing is really known at the moment. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, we'll just figure it out later. What yeah. becomes known is that Jay Monahan, who had sworn fealty to the PGA Tour and attacked the Saudi Tour, conflated them with 9-11 in public statements time and time again and said you never have to apologize for being on the PGA Tour that guy, that guy made this deal without talking to his players. The PGA Tour is the players. He didn't talk to the players. And to me, this is terrible leadership. It may work out. It may be a really good thing down the road. But it looks to me, and I'll say this briefly because I want to bring Michael in who knows more about this than I do. It looks to me that the number one takeaway from this is quite simply that golf in the world now is a wholly owned subsidiary of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. And the second takeaway for me is, how do you, if you welcome the people who left your tour, the Brooks Kepkes, the Dustin Johnsons, the Cam Smiths, if you welcome them back 
heartily and without penalty. What do you say to Rory McIlroy, who carried your water for two years? What do you say to him? He turned down all that money to stay on that. What do you say to him? Yeah, I would say you're looking at this in terms of the money that those top players might have gotten if they had gone over to the live ship. And it looks like there will be a path after the season if some of those players want to reapply for membership. I still don't know why you necessarily would want to. Look at DJ. He got $100 plus million in the title sponsor for this week's PJ Tour event is RBC. Someone... DJ was closely related to for a number of years. So, uh, But you look at the fringe players, the guys who are maybe outside of that top 50, who are, by and large, the ones who make every run-of-the-mill PJ Tour event work. This is a big <coughs> circus that weeks and months ahead goes through towns, and those are the players that show up. Uh, I'm looking at a player like Will Zalatoris or Hideki Matsuyama, who had tremendous offers, and now you look at how injury has plagued some of those players and what they what that might have provided a Will Zalatoris, still a young player. Um, but no one knows what this is going to look like. This is It's being called an umbrella. Uh, it's now been a year since Monaghan was given probably five minutes on the Sunday broadcast of, I, th- I think it was the RBC uh, Canadian Open last summer, where he appealed to uh, to the tragedy of 9-11 and yes, to he directly the it. tying the PGA Tour to sort of the ethos of being an American. And uh, I, I think I learned this pretty early on from you, which is don't, don't place too much trust in sports. Uh, frankly, don't place too much trust in athletes. And I think this is this odd moment where, you actually look at players, sensitive players, thoughtful players like Rory McIlroy, and I don't know how you how you try and manage this as to what you've personally given up to try and protect this project, product, and yes. sort of a system that really didn't protect you or let you know in the end. I, I, I question the leadership of this. Again, this may completely work out. Everybody may get rich, and then I will invoke, as I always do, Don Olmeyer. The answer to all your questions is money. But there was a morality to this that Jay Monahan invoked. He specifically invoked it. And now you're working with those very people against whom you invoked this morality. And it looks like they are your only bankroller. I don't know what's in it for them. They are, and they have first right of refusal for any future investments. And it's the speed in which it happened. I mean, if you think about what they have, you look at the other news about how they can control or regulate barrels of oil, and you look at this and say... The, the actual production of Live seems to just be a charade that went on. We, it's like a fake tour. We'll put this on. But it gave us, we, we infused cash yes. there, hundreds of millions of dollars to certain players and talents. The, the, tour, the actual events themselves seemed pretty minor league. And now we get the big, the big thing. And I understand that. But, it, but because of the way it works in Saudi Arabia, at any point, the head of this corporation can wake up and say, we're done. It's not doesn't do it for us anymore. Right, for they that, can walk away from the money. Right, for money that, doesn't mean anything for that particular tour. But now that yes. you have this, now that you have the bigger pie, the umbrella, you know, corporation well, you, of world oh, golf. Yeah, are we going to see at every PGA event in the United States of America ads for Saudi Arabian products for airlines for resorts for this? For, I, like I don't know, but it, and then uh, and then it, it does. I wonder about this. How long will will there be a live tour? Maybe they won't. And then one of the things the PGA said is we're going to work on ways to incorporate teams into golf. Nobody wants this. This is nonsense. I don't know why. Joel Damon would... did have a great text yesterday. He was like, I've always been a fan of the four aces. And Joel to Damon. think that I could play on the PGA tour for the four aces. Would yeah. be great. <laughs> Just thought I'd read you Sally. Oh. Yeah, I think we know where Sally stands on this. <laughs> but if you don't know, here's Sally Jenkins in the Washington Post today. What's the going rate to turn an American executive into a boot boy for a despotic torturer such as Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman? Just how worn out are the knees of PGA Tour commissioners Jay Monahan's pants legs? But let's start with this simple question first. Why would the PGA Tour join forces with a vermin-populated, fourth-rate startup such as Live Golf, a comedic failure that can't command any ratings, headed by the king of the white mice, Greg Norman? Is that hard enough for you? <laughs> that, how about this? Bought. That's the only word from Monaghan and his henchies on the PGA Tour policy board, who have made an otherwise inexplicable and still vague deal to work with Live and the European Tour to form a new global enterprise funded by the Saudis. They were bought. The only question is for how many bills. Now, I'm going to add parenthetically here. If the major complaint 
If we give any credence to Phil Mickelson, who is the big winner in this. Obnoxious greed. Yeah. If, if we give any credence to Phil Mickelson, then money is the driving force. And then this will make players happy because there'll be a lot more money for everybody. I return to Sally. The PGA Tour had all the leverage. Sure, Brooks Kepka's victory at the PGA Championship was a good storyline, but it wasn't especially wounding to the PGA Tour. If anything, it made you wonder how long Kepka would be content to play customer golf in the Bush League now that he had his form back. Kepka's star quality took an undeniable hit from his association with Liv, not to mention the Netflix documentary Full Swing, which revealed him as a manifestly shallow ding-dong. <laughs> I, just, I can stop there. I can just stop there. I mean, she crushes this. I knew she would crush it. Can you it. imagine season two of Full Swing? Players' reaction? Oh, oh, well, just, yeah, yesterday alone. Players were at this meeting in Toronto. Players were upset. We're going to have Steve Sands. Of course, we're going to have Steve Sands on later. But it's, um, this was A1 in the Washington Post. This was A1. It stopped me from talking about how good I played yesterday. Did you play well? Oh, I did. I really, I shot 42 on the front. Oh, that's I really, great. It looked like you struggled on the 18th as I was, I was waiting for you to try and talk to you about programming. I did struggle on the 18th. <laughs> and you stuck know in the why? left trap. Because I put it in the trap on the left, my second shot, a, a despicably bad um, fairway wood shot because I was discombobulated from what I had learned sure. 10 minutes before. Yeah. And I knew I had to go to work. And in terms of A1, you look at, I don't know who's the major partner of Live Golf in the United States in terms of Trump. And uh, yeah. you look at yeah. the timing of where we are as we head towards another election cycle. Yeah. So. so, you know, it, I was, I didn't talk about the Nats. I mean, I talked about anything. So let's get out of here and let's get to people who will talk about this. Wilbon will join us next. And after that, Steve Sands, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts you're listening to the tony kornheiser show this is sent to us by kyle tomany in canton georgia writes i've been a huge fan of your show for years thoroughly enjoyed listening to the original music We've been blessed to have the inclusion of Lydia McDavid in our family by way of marriage to my son, Jacob. She's a talented singer-songwriter from the lovely town of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I hope you're able to find room in your show for her release, a new release, Wildflower. I've attached my favorite song, Blessed Forever, which she wrote for my masculine-born child. This is Blessed Forever. This is Lydia McDavid. The talent is astounding. It is. She plays in Michael Wilbon. We'll get to the basketball in a second. But we're going to talk about the golf because that led our show yesterday and we did something we rarely do we only had two stories in the a block because we went very long on the golf because mike and i were both very spirited about this we both had great enthusiasm for talking about this you're not surprised at this merger it's i am i mean i I thought there'd be an accommodation at some point but i'm surprised that it happened so quickly and i don't think you are no, no, I didn't have a timetable at all, Tony. I, I, I wasn't thinking it was going to happen. But I'm certainly not surprised that it did happen. It, it had to happen. What else were they going to do? They're just going to freeze them out? Somebody articulated this very well yesterday. and said, how great is your product if you've got a certain percentage and that percentage is rising of your best players somewhere else? And you can't see all of the best players in one spot in one marketplace. And that, that, to me, is just common sense. You can't see the best players in one marketplace. And so you're going to have to have some sort of accommodation. That accommodation was a merger, especially, Tony, when everybody's making so much money. Once the PGA capitulated and started having these, you know, elevated events, as they call them, and the PGA players are making more money and the live players are making a ton of money, then what's to stop it? Do you have any? You've got to get them in one place. Do you have any hesitation about the source of the money? Uh, you, no. No. And I'm going to tell you about yesterday, the most, you talk about spirited, us being spirited. I thought. The most spirited fight in my text chain, my primary text chain, with people that you know, 
uh, Don Wilbon, Larry Irving, Neville Waters, yeah. J.A. Adonde, my closest friends, a couple of other people that you don't know, but B, you know that you know the you know the core group. We fought for hours. Brian Dunmore, you know, Steve Smith, we fought for hours. We fought. We had mean things to say to each other in a way about the source of the money. And my point is this, Tony. I don't I don't doubt anything that people are saying about the Saudi government. My point is you live in the glass house. You live in the glass house in this country. If you only criticize other people's governments, because last I checked, the government in the place where I live and love and declare my loyalties in some form or another hundreds of times a year enslaved people who look like me for 400 years. Are you kidding me? Atrocities are, the, are, are monopolized by the Saudis? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And I particularly don't want to hear it about golf. I don't want to hear it. I, I, I just, it, it rankles me. It, it, it makes me crazy that people in this country, as if, I'm sorry, if we talk to people, leaders from other countries, they can point out the murders, the assassinations, the things that people from this government have carried out across the world for decades, for centuries. Source of the money. That suggests somehow that our hands are clean. I'm not, I don't want to hear that. So, so whatever is going on with the Saudis, I have not studied, you know, Saudi culture, even though I'm aware of news reporting, obviously. I, I, I just, I don't want to hear people acting holier than thou in the United States of America. I don't want to hear it. Let me, let me go to a very specific thing. How does Jay Monahan look to you as a leader at the moment? A week. I mean, uh, the deal may be down the road a great deal. I'm not saying it won't be. I don't know. Right, right. You know, there's uh, there's so much more I don't know than I do know. But I do know that if I was in a leadership position and I did not tell my rank and file what I was doing ever, and it came as a complete shock to them, I would think there'd be reason to believe I wasn't that great a leader. And I guess that what I'm getting at is I think Monaghan's only chance is if if he can sell the players on the fact that they're going to all become much richer. Of course, okay, he withheld he withheld the they, money from them for years, right? They already, they already became much richer. Okay. This is not a matter of if. I, no, I mean, Monaghan looks like a clown. He looks like somewhere between a, a hypocrite and a, a sellout. He, lo- he does. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he did a bad, he made a bad deal for his constituents. That's right. They got richer. This is not up for debate. I mean, we're talking about millions more dollars for the PGA players. We're talking about, in some cases, tens of millions of dollars. In a couple of cases, hundreds for the, the, the Saudi players, the live players. But what, what, why, why do I feel bad for them? Are you kidding me? First of all, I don't believe that Tiger and Rory didn't know. I don't believe that. Not for a second. Now, does that mean he was on the phone with them as he was negotiating? No, I don't necessarily believe that either. But I don't believe that. Not only that, why did Rory back off like he did in recent weeks? Did he not know something was coming? I don't know. I mean, I think you could take, you could factor that in now and say that's possibly knew something was coming. But you could also say he played so poorly in the Masters and it got to him so greatly that he was, you know, he was verklempt, as we like to say, which is what I thought happened to him. And, and, and despite that, Rory's bank account suffer? No. Well, so, so. Only, in, only in this sense, Mike. Only in this sense. He turned down the bird in hand of $100 million. You know, the Dustin Johnson money. He, yeah. got, he would have gotten that. He turned that down and stood up and said, I don't want to do that. I'm going to stay with this tour. And yeah. now, what does Jay Monahan say to him? We, I made you a lot more money. I don't know what the... I don't know what the reporting is because I haven't studied it. Finally, on the, 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 the increase in absolute actual dollars for the men on the PGA Tour. It's a lot of money, Tony. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's, it's, it, how many elevated tours are there? We, we got to see more reporting on that. You have, all, you have these elevated tours. You have increased purses on the regular tours yes. and the elevated tours. Yes. So I'm supposed to weep? 
For the PGA players? No, not here. Do not you here. think... And they, by the way, one more point on that. They chose not to go. Nobody held a gun to Rory's head to say you have to save the PGA. He is a grown man who elected to stay with the PGA. So live with it. Do you think there will actually be a Saudi tour in, say, a year? Because I don't. I mean, I hadn't thought about that. It doesn't need to be. No. If you're all playing under one umbrella, then what difference, then, then what difference does it make? If and, do you, and do you think they'll play? Umbrella, do you think they'll play seventy-two know, holes? Do you think that the sort of yes. innovations will go away? Yes, yes. I mean, maybe they'll keep something. I don't know what. Did the, did the NBA keep the? You know, what did they keep from the ABA? The three-point shot. shot clock. Okay, okay. So the ABA went away. Right. But they kept certain things they kept certain improvements and i don't know what they, i never watched live and live was so new and so quick i never they're not going to play 54 holes no um and they're not going to wear shorts i don't think but i don't i don't know all i don't know every single difference in the live tour versus the pga because i didn't watch the live right but 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 the aba kept the nba kept certain things that the aba introduced i'm sure the nfl have certain things I think if I recall correctly, and I and this is a long time ago, and I may not be correct, I think one of the things the AFL had was the possibility of a two-point conversion. And I don't think the NFL had had that. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's certain things you'll keep. Was it, did the AFL go away? Of course. Yeah. By the way, did Joe Namath have to get back any of his money? No. No, of course not. No, he made did a deal. Did John Unitas get to say... Damn it, Pete Rozelle, I stayed with you. You've cheated me. No. Well, he may have said it. We just, I, he you know, said it. he may have thought and, and it. He, maybe. And, but, Tony, that's why some of these storylines, I mean, you know I said this in real time. These storylines were complete and utterly phony. Phony. And somehow people got latched onto it with golf. And I, I think they got latched onto it like in my own, my closest friends and family members. Don and I violently disagreeing yesterday because of the Saudi money. And every time I would say to them, Larry Irving, you, you live in the glass house, homie. Don't tell me that your government didn't commit atrocities over centuries. Seriously? Yeah, I would have been on Don's side and Larry's side. I, well, Larry's a, worked question. in the government. He's not. Gonna, yes, he does. Yeah. And that's part of my problem. Yeah, you so. work for a government that's committed atrocities, one I'm loyal to. You can answer that, Valeria, if you want. You're going to tell me that our government does it and hasn't committed centuries worth of atrocities? Not going to say anything like that, I'm not, but I'm not going to say it makes it right for somebody else's government to do but, it so, either. So, I, so I, get to, I get to crusade and sit in judgment on theirs while mm. keeping a silent voice against my own? No, you can say what you want. You know that. I, 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 well, my point is, I don't even want to hear that. I just shout that down. I don't want to hear that the Saudi money alone makes this issue so different. So di- it, it may make it different because it is directly tied to the government. Ours is simply tied to entities, Major League Baseball, NFL, you know, NBA, sanctioned by what, what you do have in some way with our governments. Taking the government, taking your interpretation of the government's actions over X amount of time out of the equation right now, what you do have is something that we've not really seen before. A foreign government is the sole source of money for an American sport. That's different, right? That's okay. different. I mean, let, let's just take Saudi. Let's say it's France. It's it's France. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. you would still say, "Wow, what do we make of that?" That's different. I don't even know if that's legal in terms of mergers and acquisitions. I don't know that. I I don't either. Yeah. And, and Tony, yes, that, that, that is different. Yeah. And I will allow my concession to that is it is a difference. It is not reason for me to ignore. No, Uh, no, I'm not, you know, not for me. Yeah. And so, and, and, uh, you know, I, this, this came up when, you know, when our dear friend Charles Barkley, obviously, it was in the news. Time, That's right. Charles considered it. And it was news. Charles was quoted as saying he and I talked. And we did. We talked at length. And I thought that Charles should 
have the conversation. Not that he should go, and he didn't. And he had, you know, similar reasons for not going. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Every, everybody in the PGA got rich off this. Is that, a, is, did. Is that immoral? That well, the PGA used it as leverage, exactly yes. as Phil Mickelson suggested. Exactly. 100%. Phil Mickelson, again, who we both thought was a prophet without honor, again, yes. turns out yes. to be the same thing. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. You think Miami will win, so you're going to go to the game. You think Miami yeah. will win tonight, right? I do. I think, I think that Miami is a street fighter. And we can talk about adjustments all we want, and most of our shows and my show tonight, Countdown Before the Game, leading into it, will concentrate on adjustments, basketball adjustments, X's and O's, strategies, numbers, analytics. And sometimes, Tony, it's a, it, I, and I, this is straight out of, I have become a disciple now of Pat Riley. And you know there's certain things I've disagreed with Pat Riley with over the, about over the years. I'm a, I'm a total disciple of Pat Riley. Playing with force is what got Miami that game. I know that they used that force to create room to hit three-pointers, which actually won the game, literally, 48%. But I believe that Miami is a street fighter. That's the mentality of that team. That's the personality. They are willing to fight you. I don't know that Denver is. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying they won't. I don't know that about Denver. I know that about Miami. I've seen it. Miami hit Milwaukee in the mouth. Miami hit the Boston Celtics in the mouth. Miami started the playoffs by hitting the Knicks, the favorite team in Vegas, in the mouth. Will Denver do that? I'm not convinced Denver will. And until I'm convinced Denver will, I have gone over to the side of Miami. Maybe Miami will come out having been challenged by Michael Malone. And by the way, Tony, this is why Michael Malone challenged his team. He knows Miami will hit you in the mouth. He knows Miami is maybe the less talented fighter. Maybe Miami's Buster Douglas. But Michael Malone knows that now. He's in a fight. Yeah. What's his team going to do? All right. I don't know that about Denver. And I am saying when I pick Miami to win tonight's game, let me see it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, th- I think your position is fair. Um I do. I think it's fair, although I think that the determinant is going to be Denver, not Miami. Yes. Yeah, the well, determinant listen, is Denver. I'm, I'm with you on yeah. that now. All right. All right if, I'll if, talk if to you Denver's later. If Denver's ready to fight, Tony, then Denver's going to be the better. If the spirit is the same, Denver's a better team. Yeah. But so far in this postseason, who's had Miami's spirit exactly? Um, nobody. Right. Only the Florida Panthers, who are yes, down 2 nothing yeah. at the moment. That's but right. you see. And they got to demonstrate it all we'll over see. All right. Talk to you later. All right, John. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Steve Sands, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Lydia McDavid. This is sent to us by her father-in-law, Kyle Tomini, in Canton, Georgia. Michael, if people like Lydia McDavid want to hear their original music on the air here, how do they go about doing it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. I wish I had that kind of talent. <laughs> it's really pretty wish. remarkable. I wish I had that kind of talent. I just, I don't. But I admire it when I see it in others. Steve Sands joins us now. How surprising was this to you to learn yesterday that indeed there was a fait accompli and there was a merger? It was really surprising that it came yesterday. I thought it would come at some point, mm-hmm. that there would be some type of merger. But to have that happen this quickly, uh, this deep into this particular season where the PGA Tour had changed its model and had been trying different things, uh, clearly, Tony, there is a, a financial issue uh, in Ponte Vedra Beach, or else they wouldn't have done this. Why did the players not know, or do you think they did know and they're just being afforded cover now? No, no, they didn't know. That, that's 
to me, one of the most amazing things about all of this is how quiet it was kept. And I think the reason that it came out yesterday, Tony, and, and you can appreciate this doing, you know, what you have done your whole life as an adult for a living, I think it was going to get leaked. And I don't think they wanted the leak to happen. And I think that one of the surprising things about the announcement yesterday is that all the details aren't fully baked. And that made it to me surprising that it would get leaked. And then I thought about it more and I thought, wait a second, clearly it was going to get out a little bit that these discussions were taking place. And, you know, from my good friend and your good friend, Jimmy Dunn, leading the way, uh, somebody was going to find out about this. And I think the PGA Tour wanted to at least get it out there uh, and then have the details get worked on as we proceed. Well, as I said the other day, I don't have any answers and I have a million questions. So I'm going to ask you these questions and see if you have any answers and you may not. Do you think two years from now there'll actually be a Saudi tour or that that will just evaporate and there'll be one tour? It's hard to tell right now, but the way I looked at it yesterday, Tony, with the announcement and all of the analysis and all the things that I've been reading for the last 24 hours, to me it seems like live goes away and that there becomes one large world tour. And, you know, something to the effect of, say, 20 to 25 events in the United States, three events in Europe, uh, three or four events in the Middle East, three or four events in Australasia, uh, and then there's your world tour, something that Greg Norman actually wanted, what was that, 30 years ago? Yeah. Uh, Wanted to start, so something like that is what I can see, but I, I don't see how live remains uh, while the PGA Tour and this new entity begins to thrive under the dollars uh, from the PIV, PIF. Yeah, so let me, let me go line by line here. Um, the first thing that Jay Monahan ever said about the Saudi Tour was golf is not 54 holes. Golf is right. not no cut. Golf is not guarantees, to use Tiger's phrase. Monahan didn't use this, but Tiger said, you got you to earn it in the dirt. What happens to all those things that we would say were innovative by this new tour? What happens to them? Yet to be seen, yet to be determined. I think they're working that out. I think that's part of the, the issue um, that some people had yesterday was, again, I think it was going to get leaked, and I don't think all the you know, parties involved wanted it to get leaked before they were able to make the announcement. But what, what came with that yesterday, Tony, is they made an announcement, and the details are only half-baked. Yeah. not fully cooked. So we don't really know all of the details. The one thing we do know is that the PIF, the Private Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, has bought the PGA Tour. You bet. They basically bought they own the sport. It. They, own they, own, it. they own it. And that's, that's something that fans, that's something that sponsors, that's something that just the casual viewer who brings in monster ratings for bigger events that's everybody's going to have to be okay with that as far as you know we can see and it'll be really really interesting to see how this all plays out there was a mention of the pga would be allowed to figure out how team play would factor into the future right you don't think there'll be teams do you man tony i'm with you i I i'm 54 years old i'm i'm old and i'm old school i just can't see uh, an avenue towards team golf on the regular. Now, you remember a few weeks ago there was the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. That's the one team event on the PGA Tour where two guys are playing, you know, in the, in the, on the same right. team that right. particular week. Right. There's the Ryder Cup. There's the Presidents Cup. But man, Tony, I just I cannot fathom the idea of a team concept in this particular sport in this particular audience. Maybe internationally. It would be a bigger deal, but in the United States, that would just throw everybody off who's ever watched golf. I just, I just can't imagine how it would stick. But again, you know, time, you know, heals things and also moves forward. And maybe there is a way to have a concept like that, but I don't see. I'm with you on that. I just can't imagine. Jay Monahan very specifically tied the players and the Saudi tour to 9-11. He did this publicly more than once. He said famously 
When you play on the PGA Tour, you never have to apologize for anything. Now he's entered into a deal with a government that owns the tour. How do you do that? And when you talk about sponsors, you know, do all these sponsors want to enter into that same deal with that same government? How is that going to work? Well, a year and a half ago, when all this was really going on, Tony, a lot of sponsors went to the tour, went to Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, and said, we don't want any part of this. If you meet with them, we are out. If you kind of decide to merge a little bit with them or to placate them, we're out. It'll be, like, I keep using the word interesting and fascinating. I just, I just can't imagine how some of the companies who are big sponsors of the PGA Tour, and all money is intertwined internationally, and I understand the concept of do we want to do business with Saudi Arabia or not? Do we think it's sports washing? Do we think uh, that these are things that we do not want to be involved with as a corporation? I get all of those things, and, and there's some big, big decisions that have to be made. But the, the dollars and cents of it all, Tony, is you can dress it up however you want. This is a textbook hostile takeover. Put immense financial pressure on the entity you wish to control and then provide the lifeline when it inevitably needs it. That, to me, is where we're sitting. I, I totally agree with that. Let me go from the macro to the micro, though. The players who left, the Dustin Johnsons, the Cam Smiths, the Brooks Kepkas, among others, will they be welcomed back without any penalty whatsoever? I mean, will they, in effect, be rewarded for their innovative stance to just go and take the money and turn their back on the PGA Tour. Go back a few questions when you asked about, you know, how did the players not know and that kind of thing. Remember that your audience needs to remember a a couple things here. One in particular is if you take the five major sports in America, NASCAR if you take six, but the five major sports, the PGA Tour and then the four team sports – the difference between the PGA Tour, Tony, and the four team sports is this. Four team sports, they have a commissioner who works for the owners. They negotiate a collective bargaining agreement with the union, and that's how the game is played. And that's how the rules are implemented. In this case, the tour is owned, well, until yesterday, owned by the players. The PGA Tour commissioner works for the players. There are no owners versus players as far as negotiating goes with salary caps and all of those types of things, benefits and health and days off, those types of things. That's not how it exists on the PGA Tour. So the players are furious right now because they didn't know about any of this. And it seems like Jay Monahan and the upper, upper, upper echelon of the staff at the PGA Tour, including some board members like Jimmy Dunn, did this without letting the players know. And that does not sit well with the players because that's not the structure and then the bylaws of the PGA Tour. So welcoming these guys back is something that the guys have said for a year and a half would not happen. Literally cannot, will not happen. But now that will happen. And it's going to happen whether or not they pay money back, which no chance that's going to happen. Some of the guys who didn't take the money, like a Rory or a Justin Thomas, Jordan Speed, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, John Rahm, Tiger Woods, all these great players didn't take the money. Are they going to get compensated for not taking the money? Or are you going to reward the guys who rolled the dice, took the chance, got the bag, and now are going to be able to come back and play for the big money on the PGA Tour or whatever it's called? By the way, Tony, I don't know if you're going to ask this, but to me, the single most incredible thing in the statement yesterday that was put out by the PGA Tour, by the PGA Tour, is that this new entity, the name has not been chosen yet. That's amazing to me. We're from D.C. You know, you're from New York, but you've lived in D.C. forever. It was a U.S. Airways town forever at National Airport. U.S. Airways bought American Airlines. Okay, not the other way around. U.S. Airways bought American Airlines years ago. But they kept the American Airlines label because that brand is much, much larger, especially globally, um, than U.S. Airways. The PGA Tour is the biggest brand by far in all of golf. And for the PGA Tour yesterday to say in a statement that going forward, Jay Monahan will not be the chairman, he'll be the CEO. The chairman is now Yasser, 
and Yasser, who runs the PIF in Saudi Arabia, becomes literally the most powerful person in all of golf. And who knows if the PGA Tour brand will be the name moving forward of this new entity. That is just astonishing to me. So I'll bring up a name because you mentioned him before, Rory McIlroy. For two years, he was the face of the PGA Tour, castigating people who had left, losing friendships over it, and trying to defend the PGA Tour and keep the light on all night long for the PGA Tour. And he doesn't know about this when they make this deal, and he looks like he's out there on this thin branch all by himself. What does he? What does Jay Monahan say to him? Well, I cannot wait. I'm flying up to Toronto right now um, yeah. and going to do the Canadian Open, and we'll see Rory McIlroy, who, by the way, is the defending champion. Um, and he's honored his commitment to be there the week before a U.S. Open. I mean, Rory McIlroy almost always does the correct thing. And he was told and he chose to be the face and the voice of this entire thing for the last year, year and a half. And for him to get shut out, he didn't find out about this until early yesterday morning, just before the announcement was made. He was shut out of this completely. That is just remarkable to me. I I find it disingenuous, in my opinion, uh, that the tour and the people involved in in the highest level of the game would ask someone who plays the sport, who's a good kid, who's smart, who knows what's going on, to be the face and voice of this in the middle of his career while he's playing and then have him be shut out of this. To me, Rory is going to have a lot to say, certainly behind the scenes. I'm really interested to see what he says in front of the cameras this week. I, I, I will see him later today. Yeah, uh, We'll chat off camera. And as you know, most of the time, the greatest conversations we have with athletes uh, are, are off the record and, and where there are no cameras around, no tape recorders around. And I, I don't know. I, he's in a very tough spot, Tony. I, I don't know exactly what he is going to say, but when he does speak, whether it's later today or after tomorrow's first round, it is certainly going to be, in my opinion, for golf people, it's going to be must-see TV. Yeah, I agree with that. I, don't, I think he'll be very measured, um, but yes, he'll say he something. So the Saudi Tour guys, they get to... They get the cake and they get to eat it too, it seems to me. The yep. Ryder Cup is saved. The last question, I'll get you out of here on this. It seems to me that Phil is a big winner in this, that Phil, you know, got pardoned in this and that Phil's career, you know, his post-playing career uh, is allowed to be great again, or am I overstating that? I might be. No, 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 you're, you're right. Uh, I, now, it depends on how he handles this. Yeah, kind of like Greg Norman. You know, Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson are, basically the same type of personality when it comes to these types of things how they handle this going forward is going to be in my opinion the way they are looked upon uh throughout this transition i mean greg norman promised these guys they play for more money got it. they would play in the majors check they would play back on the pga tour with the best players check the two things would merge check i mean everything greg norman promised these guys is actually going to come to fruition. He delivered. Phil, Phil Mickelson's the same thing. He always said, you know how it feels like, the, he Phil likes to needle uh, people and, and kind of push people's buttons, Tony. You know, the, the inner workings of the PGA Tour are not as financially solvent as you think. All the things that he has said look like they're actually going to come to fruition as well. So Greg and Phil might come out of this looking not only as if they ha- ate their cake uh, you know, had their cake and eat it too. But also, they look like heroes in all of this because at the end of the day, Tony, when this is all settled, however you want to look at it, PGA Tour players, or whatever the new entity is going to be called, they'll be playing for more money against the best players in the world, and that's going to drive up revenue. However that revenue is reached, that's going to drive up revenue, and it is just a, an amazing day. And by the way, Tony, I'll leave you on this. If people in America think that it's only golf, they need to be careful. This is the beginning of what the PIF is trying to do. Formula One, they got that. Soccer, they're offering hundreds of millions of dollars to players. 
uh, to come play in Saudi Arabia against substandard competition. They've now bought a American sports brand in the PGA Tour. And if you think that they're going to stop at just golf, they are probably going to try at least to get into the other sports. They own a Premier League team, which is the biggest soccer league in the world. It's going to be fascinating to see how Americans handle all of this um, because we're not used to someone else owning our own sports. And in a sports sense, I think the PGA Tour might be the first domino, not the last. Thank you for all of this. Enjoy yourself in Toronto. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Tony. Be good. Steve Sands. Uh, We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. We're gonna read some for all of you folks. That's David Dalabrita. We're very happy to have that. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for Oh, yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say this. This pretentious, ponderous collection of religious rock psalms is enough to prompt the question. What day did the Lord create Spinal Tap? And couldn't he have rested on that day, too? Brilliant. Chris Guest's movies. They're, they're, yes, they're that, just brilliant. That's the review, not the review that's for... That's the first one. That's not the review for Shark Sandwich. Right, not the view, review Can for... Can they say that? Intervenus to Milo. Can they write that? <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Steve Sands. Thanks as well to our sponsors, Simply Save, Policy Genius, and Game Time. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. TK Captain One. The little guy turns one this week. He is uh, he's Next already week. cruising. Okay, well, the week of Father's Day. Right. It's just around the corner, so uh, celebrate by getting some new polos for your dad. Yeah. Entire week of June 18th. Johnny O's got great stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. I wear it all the time. Got great stuff. From Kurt Johnson in Warland, Wyoming. Are you rooting for Mo Green or Hyman Roth in the Stanley Cup Finals? <laughs> That's funny. It's Vegas and Miami. Right now. That's funny. Mo Green's doing well. From Ronnie Newmeyer. I can't have been the only one tickled by your visceral and venomous reaction to your romantic rival Elliot, a.k.a. Fair Carol's potential suitor of long ago, and his efforts to impress her by bogarting and claiming Bob Dylan's lyrics as his own. Regarding your assertion that he now must be some loser, I've looked into this, and it's a good news, bad news situation. It appears he is not, in fact, a hedge fund manager, as you feared, but he is the CEO for a company called Cigna. Your move, Romeo. From Crystal, who makes... She's she's the one who makes... Oh, the, uh, the Reggie Balls. The Reggie the, the, balls. Yeah, for the factory. Yes. Um, I'll just be honest with you. I'm a gal from Canada who co-called Reggie Jackson's peeps and offered to bring back his candy bar from where it languished in obscurity. Here in Canada, I've done the same for two other candy bars, and they've been really embraced by their fans. And I got a lot of good feels from it. No income, just feels, LOL. So on, one day on Food TV, my hubby and I saw a show about the old Reggie bars. I said to my husband that I felt I could bring that bar back, and he foolishly said he thought I could not. Never tell a woman that. <laughs> so then I did call the phone number on Reggie Jackson's website and talk to his staff. That's the background to how I find myself making the bars for Reggie. And when I say I make the bars, I mean I hire the staff and arrange it all. The factory in Pennsylvania that I hired is the one that physically squeezes out the chocolate circles and wraps them for me. You're welcome to Google me and check me out. Isn't that nice? That's fantastic. I'd like yes. to know what other thing, if she does any American candies. I mean, she said Canadian candies, if she yeah. does anything other than Reggie bars. Um, it's a haiku for bunions from Shad. You better hope for a miracle bunion cream. Cigna says, denied. <laughs> from Mitchell Barber, like many littles, I always wondered what would be the best time to strike to write that first email and hope it gets read on the pod. Well, you hit my wheelhouse with your chiropathy versus podiatry discussion as it pertained to your painful bunion malady. And by the way, I add parenthetically, is it possible because I switched sneakers that that activated the bunion on some level because I have a different 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 angle? Yeah, could have. So I don't know. Chiropathy was the name of the medical discipline of podiatry before they officially changed it in 1967. Chiropathy had been around since the 1920s and was born in the back of barber shops as a place to get your corns, callus, and ingrown toenails taken care of, and then it morphed into a medical profession over time. In the 60s, there was confusion between chiropractors 
and Shuropods, and we decided to change our name to Podiatrist to avoid further confusion. Makes sense. As a licensed podiatrist, let me be honest with Dr. Tony. If you have a bunion, then you've always had one. It did not just pop up the other day. Rather, your pain might be from an acute bursitis over the bunion or an arthritic flare in the joint or maybe a bone spur in the mix. In any case, please allow me to offer my services where I could certainly come over for an in-home consultation or have you to my office for a full workup. A custom set of foot orthotics could definitely help out and can easily be worn in all of your shoes. Parenthetically, I might even propose good inserts might help you get out of those pesky sand bunkers a little easier. Really? In effort uh, to become the unofficial local podiatrist of the show, I offer these three uh, quick connective tissue facts for your review. My father, Sandy Barber, a retired Rockville-based periodontist, now living in Boynton Beach, Florida, graduated from Hewlett High School, class of 64. I knew Sandy Barber. I knew Sandy Barber. (laughs) My brother, Elliot Barber, local residential realtor in Tacoma Park, Maryland, a plus one five handicap at Lakewood Country Club, used to caddy for you at Columbia. Plus one five, do you know this guy? This is getting a little close. Elliot Barber. And I, Mitch Barber, through Bonnie Burko, was one of the first people to ever call into PTI and do a funny voice for the PTI show and ask a question, which was back in the early days, possibly in the first or second season. Mitch Barber board-certified podiatrist. P.S. If you did have me on the pod or just face-to-face encounter with a foot consultation, boy, could I share some Cigna stories with you. And they are not even the worst of the bunch out there. Trust me on that. Wow. That, we're going to call him. Where's the office? We're going to call him. The office is going to be in this house. (laughs) Sandy Schustek, Charlottesville, Virginia. As the unofficial podiatrist of the Tony Kornheiser Show and Hewlett High School alumna, Class of 1970, I've written you before, alumnus rather, I have written you before about foot and shoe issues. In the 1960s, the degree and term for chiropodist was changed to podiatrist. This is confirmation of that. You should seek the advice of a podiatrist to ensure you have a proper diagnosis. Using the internet to solve medical problems is fraught with danger. In general, there are both conservative and surgical options for bunions. Please make sure that someone properly properly measures your feet for correct shoe size. This can change over the years. New Balance and SAS shoes come in wider widths to accommodate bunion-like conditions. There are many, I knew that's why I wore them. There are many digital devices to cushion a prominent bunion deformity, the most popular made out of silicone. There are numerous conservative and surgical options that require an examination, x-rays, and discussion with your provider. Best of luck. So I say to Sandy, thank you, because obviously Mitch Barber is is the guy I'm going to go to. Sure. From Erin Doherty in Hawkinson, if I pronounce that correctly, Delaware. I'm unfamiliar with the town. Yesterday's topics hit three, yesterday's episode hit three topics I have some knowledge of. First, bunions. If the big toe joint at the very bottom of your toe is swollen or protruding, or if your big toe is shifting or leaning to your other toes, it's time to see a podiatrist. This is exactly what's going on. You got the shift. I had bunion surgery Mm -hmm. in late February, and the podiatrist took bone from the outside and top of the joint and inserted a plastic pin as well. If you have a minor bunion, you could be a walking shoe with a cane the same day. If the bunion is severe enough, you may end up with metal plates and pins. Second, Scotch and sirloin. That's a long leap, isn't it? (laughs) Scotch and sirloin. The only one that's left run by the original family is in the Syracuse area in DeWitt. I went a few times with my family in the late 80s. Third, Speedy's. They're served in a few restaurants in Syracuse with salt potatoes, but mainly made at home in the summers. Now, there's a Wegmans in northern Delaware. Now that there's a Wegmans in northern Delaware, I can recreate this since they stock all the upstate foods. Speedy marinade, white hots, snappy grillers, salt potatoes, Kimmelweck rolls, etc., Thanks for all the years of entertainment. That's a wild email. <laughs> a lot in there, yes. Are you still against emails? I'm, I've never said I'm against emails. <laughs> you say that I just... What do you go back go to emails from a year ago and, and completely give them over to your open? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I found a new pile of email. <laughs> yeah. From Phil Destito in Rome, New York, upstate. Yeah, it's upstate. Uh, when pulling up Friday's podcast, looking at the title, Scotch and Sirloin, it can't be. Is Mr. Tony talking about the Scotch and Sirloin restaurant on Erie Boulevard in Syracuse? <laughs> Not that far from the huge Wegmans that makes great burgers. No, it was the Scotch and Sirloin on Vestal Parkway in Binghamton you were talking about. Yes, I, I said that. Mm-hmm. I can tell you the one in Syracuse has been there what seems like forever. Steaks are great. Tony, what's the best steak you ever had? I never had. The thing, the thing I'm going to mention now, I've never had, and I'm jealous of my son. Because you have had steak at Peter Luger's. Yes. And Ooh. everyone believes that Peter Luger's is the, the best. best yes. But I think steak. that's more about technique. It's sort of a double cook where you get that really quick char on it, and then you slice it, and then you put it on the hot pan, and you sort of get that butter finish. But you've you had You can that. recreate that. Ah, never had that. 
from Robert M. Berry, was listening to Friday's show and heard you got a bit confused about the national debt. You seem to be under the impression that we've gone to zero to trillions in just the past few years. Not true. You are confusing the national deficit with the national debt. The national deficit is the amount of money, plus or minus, that the U.S. has each year between what it earns in income versus spending. Throughout history, almost every year we've been in a negative, but there was a four-year period, 1998 to 2001, where we had a budget surplus. This is what you were thinking of. When you add each year's deficit to what has come before, that's where you get the national debt. The U.S. has been debt, in debt literally since before it existed. It went into $75 million in debt to pay for the revolution. And other than one moment in January 1835 when we actually had paid it all off, it's been going up ever since. It crossed a billion for the Civil War, a hundred billion for World War II, and a trillion in 1982. Okay, that's good to know. From sure. our friend Carl in Oswego, New York. I was sitting in Sunday church when the pastor made a reference to Matthew 5.11. I had to bite my tongue to keep from blurting out, not too good. Thanks for that. That's funny, isn't it? Also, I've lived here long enough to know that Oswego is part of central New York, but I still refer to it as upstate when I tell somebody where I live, just to make it clear that I'm not part of the city. Plus, I have a little bit of problem calling this central when we live on the edge of the state and Canada's just across the lake. Yes, Oswego is upstate. That's upstate, yes. From Jim Lamparello. Hello from Des Moines, Washington. No, not the city in Iowa. We're south of Seattle, and we pronounce the S here. So Des Moines. Des Moines, Washington. Is it Des Moines? Maybe it is. Maybe it's Des Moines. Last night, I was having dinner with my girlfriend. We were discussing food snobs. As a former New Yorker, I, of course, brought up East Coast bagels. That led her to mention her favorite spot from Washington, D.C., a place called Bethesda Bagels. Imagine her shock as I immediately launched into Nigel's Bethesda Bagel Land. I then had to explain why I was aware of a bagel shop 2,000 miles away, despite having no connection to Washington, D.C. At least she promised to bring one back the next time she flies east. From Sal Paradise, how can you have Chuck Berry on the Mount Rushmore rock and roll when there are already four rascals? Chesney. <laughs> From Rob, Northern Alabama. I'm 63 years old. I have four specific memories in my life. I have a visual image of being in a G.C. Murphy store with my mother when I was four years old when JFK was assassinated and there were women falling to their knees crying. We had teachers. I was in school. We had teachers weeping. I was in my college student union TV room when the Challenger exploded. I was leaving a federal courtroom trying to get out of a speeding ticket in North Alabama when I heard about 9-11 on the radio. And finally, I'm sad to say that I recall very specifically that I was working for the U.S. Army in a nondescript office while listening to you evaluate and taste test different brands and types of Swiss cheeses. (laughs) By the way, when can we expect the next cheese test? Obviously, it will be at Calvert Woodley. You can taste the whole. And a one in a million story from our good friend, Carla Corrado. We love Carla. Seems we all have a one in a million story. Here's mine. One fall, I was working in Radford, Virginia and wanted to watch the Big Ten Network to see the Buckeyes game that started Saturday at noon. There's one sports bar in town, so I bellied up to the empty bar, ordered my salad and Diet Coke, and asked the bartender to put the game on the TV. I was the only patron in the joint until a fellow walked in, sat a few bar stools to my right, and ordered lunch. He, too, was an Ohio State fan. We chatted about the game. I asked where he was from. He said, well, I grew up in Ohio, but my family moved to Michigan when I started high school. And I asked where in Ohio, and he said, Youngstown. I said, so am I. What part of town? The stranger said, Boardman on the south side. I said, me too, what neighborhood? He said, between Glenwood and Market Streets. I said, me too, what street? He said, South Cadillac. I said, me too, I am Carla Corrado. He said, no way, I am Jamie Melnick. I went to St. Charles Elementary with your brother Mark, and you went to school with my brother Anthony. We used to all play touch football together. I asked about his sister Monica and why she was in Radford. His daughter went to college there and was on the volleyball team. It's impossible. We had not seen each other in over 35 years. It's not impossible. Everybody's got one. Some people have two and three. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Now they all get involved, and they all got their gear already, and so they're going to be all colored up in, uh, in the maroon and black. No, and yellow. no.
need rain 